This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. We're back in 1 Thessalonians today, 1 Thessalonians 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 to get started. Paul says, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. So remember previously, Paul had, he was weaving together commendations and assurances to settle the minds of these Christians in Thessalonica who uh, seemed to have some doubts or questions about about him and because he had left uh, under severe persecution and uh, had not returned and there seemed to be some some questions about that. And so previously he reassured them that this was not about, you know, any kind of neglect, but rather he desired to be, Paul desired to come back and to shore up their faith, but he had been prevented. Um, and, and so those concerns that they had um, about Paul kind of spilled over into, okay, well, what about what he preached? The gospel, um, you know, he's, it seems like he's gone and, and we're still suffering all these afflictions. Uh, so does that mean we're doing something wrong? Is this punishment or is this just totally fake? Uh, what about Jesus's return? So there were all these things, all these issues that were kind of knit together. And as chapter three begins, Paul moves from um, commendations and assurances to something that's just as important, which is exhortation. And so now he's going to give them further instruction in, in Christ. Uh, so he knew that what these brethren needed was to be encouraged and to be insured, and he and he does that. He bolsters them in, in that regard. Uh, but they also needed to be established further in the knowledge of, of Christ. That was going to fortify them um, against persecution, just as it does just as it does for us. And so all of these things, encouragement, assurance, edification, they come from the same source, which is what we're reading, Paul's letter the inspired word of God. And as, you know, persecution would come to these Christians, uh, they would have a solid foundation upon which to stand and their, and their faith would be uh, fortified by hearing and clinging to the word of God. And this is the very reason Paul says I'm sending uh, that, that he did send rather Timothy. Uh, and, and now as he's after Timothy's report, um, because he's writing after Timothy has come back to him with a report and he writes this, this letter. And so the letter itself would accomplish all of these purposes, um, uh, that, that before, you know, Paul ever wrote first Thessalonians, he sent his brother in Christ, his coworker, Timothy to establish and exhort in the faith, uh, these, these Christians in the faith. So this was Paul's, this was his great concern. You know, all of, all of his letters and teachings, were inspired by the Holy Spirit not only to plant but to grow the faith uh, of the recipients. Uh, and and notice that what he says in verse five. If you continue reading in, in chapter three, he says Paul desired to learn about their faith because he was afraid that they might have failed the test and his labor was in vain. Uh, so the test being again those persecutions and afflictions that he's already mentioned so many times, but he says, I want, I wanted to learn what's going on there. I wanted to know the condition. 
And I think there, there is a lesson for us that if we don't care about the state of our uh, brethren, uh, their, their faith, then that's all, that's a sad reflection of our own faith, right? The reason this was a great concern to Paul was because of his love for the Lord, right? He knows that his master cares about his people, died for his people, wants to encourage his people. Um, because it's important to our Lord, it should be important to us. And so if it's not, that's a red flag, right? So truly caring about um, another person's faith means um, taking the time to learn about it. So not only should we should we care, um, but if we are telling ourselves that, yeah, we, we do, well, do our actions actually reflect that? Because Paul's did, right? He's He sent his co-worker when he was unable to go and then you know, he, on top of that, he writes this um, this letter. Uh, and, and number three, it's possible to fail the test, the enemy's test, and fall away from the faith. So, you know, that's kind of a, it's not the main point uh, of the, the letter here, but it's something that comes through in Paul's concern, right? He says, I was afraid you might have failed. Right? And But to hear some people talk in the religious world, they would say, well, it's impossible to fail. And in a sense, that's true, so long as you stand on the side of, of Christ. But there is human culpability. There is human responsibility. Uh, the choice that we have to make to to cling to the faith. And that's the choice that Paul wanted his brethren to make. Um, sadly, you know, we can arrive at a point where we no longer care about one another's faith. And of course, as I mentioned, that's an indication of how we value our own faith. And so every Christian's faith will suffer um, when he fails or or she fails to exercise those spiritual disciplines we read of in Scripture, prayer and and Bible study and reading and meditation and worshiping, assembling with our, our brethren. Um, so Paul's Paul's faith was growing and active, and that's what he desired for others. You know, he says to another church. Our hope is that your faith continues to grow and our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. Uh, that's in 2 Corinthians 10, 15. So there he's saying to another group of Christians, we, this is what we're looking, we, what we desire. We're hoping for this, that you, your faith will grow. Um, and to these brethren in Thessalonica, later in, in the second letter, he'll say to them, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So, you know, for, further down the road, when he writes to them again, it's more commendation and encouragement to stay the course, right? Because uh, they would receive his words well and just as they had initially in Acts 17, and you can see the result, their faith grew. And that's something that Paul acknowledges the second time that he writes to them. And you find that f- famous phrase, uh, excel still more. Uh, so uh, you you find apostles having this great concern and, and giving the same exhortation over and over again. This is what Paul prayed for. This is why he wrote to them. This is the reason that he served. Um, and he, and he re- found joy in this increasing love and faith that he saw among his brethren. Uh, and then he explains how one's faith and love increase. Uh, in verse 12, if you notice, 1 Thessalonians 
3 and verse 12, he says, May the Lord make make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Okay, so this key phrase here, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow. Uh, and as you look at other letters to, to Christians that he wrote, Philippians and Colossians, um, you'll find overlapping statements. So you'll let me just read um, what he writes, and then then I'll explain. All right. So as we saw in First Thessalonians three twelve, he says, "I want the Lord to make your love increase." Um, to the Philippians, he says, "It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment." Okay. So there's the overlapping statement. He doesn't say, "May your love increase." He says, "May your love abound," but it's the same idea, right? And then in Colossians, he says this, again, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay, so we connect the dots and we see that a growing faith is the Lord's doing, and this is how Paul words it, right? I want God to make your love increase. And he says to Philippi and Colossae, I'm praying that your love may abound, that your knowledge may increase. Um, and, and in Philippi, also, we, I didn't emphasize that second part of the statement in verse 9. But notice he says that your love may abound with knowledge, more and more with knowledge. Okay, so again, connecting all the dots, growing faith is the Lord's doing through prayer, through prayer and greater knowledge of Him. Um, but it's through it, it doesn't happen independent of any effort from us is the point. So when we read First First Thessalonians three twelve, Paul says, "May the Lord make your love increase." That doesn't mean, okay, I'll, I guess I'll just wait and I'll just uh, sit on my hands here and wait for my love to increase. <laughs> that's not what he's saying, and that's not how how it works. But again, much of the religious world, I think, has come to that conclusion that um, you know you just kind of you know that there's no work to be done and work is a bad is a bad word and and you know that's nothing can be further from the truth i I don't think those folks have read the new testament because paul is saying here it's this disciplined sincere pursuit that has to happen right just as he was he was praying and he was desirous of the and and then he would take action to shore up the faith of his brethren through writing to them and sending them teachers with the word of god uh, so you will not have a growing faith if you are not making efforts to grow in your faith. And this, of course, affects your soul. And the signs of a failing faith are going to manifest in your own life just as oil rises in water. You, you can't hide the truth about yourself forever. And, you know, apart from hurting your own faith, one of the many other consequences is is a lack of concern from your for your brethren, as we've already discussed, a lack of joy in their faith, a lack of sorrow when they fail, right? a lack of sympathy and interest when they when they repent. Uh, so, because all of these things are married together, uh, you know they're they're all affected you know, because they're all tied to our faith. Well, there's these are going to be dis, different manifestations of a failing faith. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 3, if you go back to verse 6, and you read verses 6 through 10, notice he says, Now that Timothy has come to us from you 
and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see your face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So Paul, you know, when he left Thessalonica, it wasn't that, he, okay, persecution over. No, he was, you know, as we've noted many times, uh, just chased out of many towns and and suffered many kinds of afflictions. But he found comfort in his own affliction at the news of the stable faith of other Christians, Christians that he taught and that he knew and loved. And he the way that he says it is, what he says is we live. We live because his brethren stood firm. You know, people don't... Um, People don't speak that way. People don't speak that way or let alone feel that way if faith in Christ is of little or, or of no value, right? And so you simply can't know the blessings Paul describes and is thankful for if you don't value your faith enough to practice and continually grow in it. Uh, and And notice more commendations are coming through here as he says, uh, you're, you are standing fast in the Lord. Who was responsible for their standing fast in the Lord? Well, they were. Yeah, they certainly the Lord provided them strength to endure persecution, as He does for all of us. And but saying that we have a responsibility in no way robs the Lord of any glory or credit that is due Him for providing us strength and grace and all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. Um, and and the hope of heaven to look that we that we're looking forward to that motivates us to endure none of you know having our own responsibility to stand fast and then actually following through and doing that you know, that in no way diminishes or robs him of of any glory um so we have to care we have to take the initiative we have to stand firm and the moment we say i do care well we have to ask ourselves well, what have I done to show that I actually care? Uh, you know, Paul has said several times already that he prayed uh, and went so far as to send Timothy. And of course, you know, that's a reflection of Timothy's character also. He was he was willing to go and take that journey and um, uh, encourage his brethren. I mean, that was his purpose, to go to exhort and teach their brethren, and then and then learn about their their faith. That is, learn about the condition of their faith. Um, and and Paul did that not because he was a delegator, because you know he just didn't feel like going himself. But he's he what he says in First Thessalonians two seventeen was that he was not able to for whatever reason. Uh, he just wasn't able. Uh, so could it be that we have somehow created a culture wherein we're uh, uncomfortable asking about one another's faith. Uh, this seems to be, you know, something wherein there was an open line of communication. Their brethren uh, would, I mean, Paul is just saying, I want to learn about, I want to, what, how's your faith doing? We might put it, say it that way in our vernacular. You know, how, how are you doing spiritually? I want to, I want to learn. I want to know what's going on. 
Um, and you know, when we, if someone has the honesty and sincerity and care to ask us that, do we assume they have some ulterior motive for doing so? Do we, uh, uh, you know, just think, well, they're just looking for some dirt or they're going to try and put a dent in my reputation or something like this or looking to gossip. And, um, you know, I think that that's, you know, these, these suspicions that we can fall into, um, are not, not, not of Christ. Um, they shouldn't be characteristic of his people. I knew a brother by the name of, uh, J.W. Milton. Um, and he was, this has been many years ago, um, probably 10, 13 years ago. He was well into his nineties. I think when I, I knew him and I was in my twenties and, um, and, uh, we, we worshiped together in, in Amarillo and, uh, whenever we would assemble together, I remember on Sundays, he would always ask me two things, uh, when he saw me, he would say, how are you doing spiritually? And are you ready to preach the word? Uh, and then I would reply, whenever I would say, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready to preach. Um, he would always say good because I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, but, at, at the, but as to the first question, I remember, um, you know, no one had really asked me that before. And, in any assembly that I had been, you know, any church that I had been a member of with any kind of regularity, that is, I certainly, I had spiritual discussions and, you know, brethren would ask me and, and we, and we would have, um, you know, serious spiritual talks and hold each other accountable. But the regularity with, with, with which he did it, I think was probably what refreshed me the most. Uh, you know, I remember at first I was always kind of taken aback, but at the same time, you know, glad and you know and then i came to look forward to it i found comfort in the simple fact that there was you know this brother who even though i didn't i didn't see him very much during the week he you know i could always count on him to ask ask me directly about my faith he wanted to learn learn about my faith so i i miss that i miss his his honesty and frankness and you know it just seems kind of harder and harder to to come by in in my opinion um, but Paul's love for and, and faith in Christ moved him to care for his his brethren. Right? He was he was imitating the Master in that in that regard, and that's what we should do also. Right? He couldn't, you know, we he couldn't honestly call himself a Christian and not care about the spiritual well being of others, um, and neither, neither can we. Right? We should note that um, you know having this kind of care acknowledges the reality and possibility of fellow Christians abandoning the faith. And that makes people uncomfortable, right? And maybe that's one of the reasons we get, you know, kind of defensive and, you know, maybe we kind of sink down the pews a little bit and avoid, um, it, you know, talking about hard things and being, and being frank because, you know, we, you know, we don't want to, um, that, that reality makes us uncomfortable, but it's something that uh, we should em- embrace and I think if we're humble, we we will, right? I mean, it's this is the reality that Scripture is putting before us, that it is possible for you to fall away. It is possible for me to abandon the faith. If it weren't, we wouldn't have these warnings over and over again um, to uh, take heed to ourselves. Uh, Hebrews 3.12, take care, brethren, lest there's an evil, unbelieving heart in you. And of course, you know, this, this is what all the epistles are speaking to. And Paul himself has already said, I, I didn't want you to receive the grace of God in vain. Uh, I didn't want to labor over you in vain. He was afraid that these brethren had caved to persecution. 
Um, he says in verse in verses five and ten, and in, in in our context, First Thessalonians three verses five and ten, he says he was for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. And then he says, I want to supply what's lacking in your faith. Um. So anyway, all that to say, you know, without sincere efforts, our faith is going to wane. Our, our there's only one of two directions it can be going. One might wish there was a third alternative wherein, you know, it's just kind of stagnant and um but but there isn't, right? We're either the kind of people who are making honest, sincere efforts, uh humbly acknowledging our weakness and holding each other accountable and and um you know, having these frank discussions about our faith and and confessing our sins to one another. And showing our care for our brethren in that regard, uh, or we're not, you know. But so, which which are we? What 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 are we about? And I think this passage reminds us of our need for uh, our edification in the Lord, and, and that no one's an exception to that, right? You know, I think one of the reasons we begin to slide off the cracker, so to speak, and you know, our attendance and the assembly wanes, or we're just not interested in worship, or we're not disciplined in prayer, whatever spiritual discipline we're talking about, Bible study, because is is because um, you know maybe it's laziness, maybe distractions, but I think part part of it is uh, pride. You know, maybe I, I I'm an exception to the rule. You know, I've you know I, I don't need I don't need that edification like those other weak Christians do. Um, well, yeah, yes, you do. Um, we all have to be sincerely devoted to. The Lord and what that looks like is being severely devoted, um, sincerely devoted to one another, because no Christian is bulletproof, and anyone can fall away. And I have to exercise discipline, and, and so do you. And Paul did his part, um, as did Timothy. So what about us? How do we show our love for the Lord and and for His people? Thanks for tuning in.